everybody, and welcome back to Roll It, where we're mad as hell, and we're probably going to keep taking it. And I am Ryan, and with me, as always, is Ty. How are you feeling, Ty? I'm feeling mad as hell, Ryan. Yeah? I'm not going to take it. Yeah. I will I will take it for this episode, actually. Yeah, this is, this is definitely worth it. I mean, you do... Well, this week we are covering. I was going <laughs> to jump into it, but I'm just going to say the name of the movie before I get I get too uh, too riled up. We this week we are covering the classic from 1976, Network, directed by Sidney Lumet, starring Peter Finch, Faye Dunaway, and William Holden. Written by Patty Chievsky. Not so, not the Social Network, which I mistake <laughs> like mistakenly thought we were going to be doing this week. No, this is. Uh, this is the the predictor of the age that we are now in. Yeah, the OG Zuckerberg. Um, well, partially, well, resulted <laughs> in Zuckerberg, I guess I should say. Pro- Zuckerberg was a product of what this movie predicted. But in we'll a very small that. way, I didn't even. That wasn't even what I was thinking at first. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, partially, but there's a lot. I mean, this there's a lot. Just, there's a lot. Yeah. So yeah. To unpack. yeah. Why don't, so give why me don't... your thoughts on this movie. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this movie is depressing. Um, it's also it's weird. It's it's weird looking at it from uh, a journalist perspective too. Just to be kind of blunt, I've always had a uh, TV news in general has always as, as a working journalist, I guess I want to say when people just call me the mass media and when they, you know, mainstream media and everything like that, this is the kind of stuff that people are thinking of. Mm-hmm. And it's more or less like opinionated pundits that are doing things to obtain ratings rather than journalists that are doing things to, you know, hold people accountable and form the communities and, uh, you know, keep their communities informed is, is the basis of most journalist jobs, not, getting on a soapbox and yelling crazy till your head falls off or get shot off. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so it's kind of a grim look at what we've become, I think personally as a nation, because it, you know, this is, we can get into it. We can get into this later too, but this is kind of what, you know, propped people like Tommy Laren and, um, you know, there's some really like, left-wing pundits too that, yeah like your rachel maddow's and stuff yeah, like that. exactly um that have really it, it just kind of it was that anger and rage and kind of just saying whatever they want aggressively and directly at whoever's listening that boosts ratings gets a lot of follows on twitter and makes celebrities kind of overnight in a way and mm-hmm. it's it's so real that it's almost depressing because it's just a satire of real life. Oh yeah, and that's I mean, well, I mean that's what this the the amazing thing about this movie is it predicted that. I mean, yeah. it was meant to be a satire in a way, but TV was in no way like this at the time. Right. They it was such a change that I mean it was satirical, but it's not like if it was made today, it would just be it, it's just reality. There's no I think I heard somewhere that uh, George Clooney wanted to do this movie, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something. He wanted to remake it for some reason. I don't know why you would, but I mean, it's perfect. I, yeah, anyway, I, don't, I think I but, think it speaks like I, I think if it was I think it would take away from the meaning of the movie if it was made today. Yeah, because he that's exactly the point. He showed it. He wanted to remake it and he showed it to a bunch of like 20 somethings at the time. And they're all like, yeah, that's the way things are. I don't know what, you know, like, they're like, I don't know what you're trying to say. That's, that's the way things are. They didn't, you know, they didn't see anything. They didn't see it as prophetic. They're just like, yeah, that's the way it is. Isn't it always been like that? When it wasn't, that's, they made this right when it was kind of changing. I mean, it's super prophetic, but they saw the winds kind of blowing and things changing. Yeah. I mean, if you think back on Anchorman, you know, when they, or was it Anchorman 2, when they came out with 24-hour news and how to fill the spots? I didn't see Anchorman 2, so I bet it was that one. Uh, well, yeah, they, they come out with 24-hour news, you know, and, and it's like, how are we going to fill the spots on this? Right. And it was basically kind of that, 
um, that outlook on it because you want to keep you want to keep your people watching continuously and not want to flip the station. Or what right. they say, so flip every- the, don't fl- what was it? Don't <laughs> don't flip the dial or something like that. Yeah, it's it's everything's everything's got to be breaking and yeah. brand new, you know, stuff like that to keep people pulled in and think they're watching something important or something's got to enrage people to keep them watching. But uh oh, well, I'll let you finish. Were you done with your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think so because we're just gonna kind of jump into it. Really, I think there's just a lot to kind of dig through here. Yeah, for sure. As far as media goes, and. Uh, yeah, so I'll get into that later. Why don't you just hit us with the summary and we'll, we'll, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you you love it, obviously. It's one of your favorites. Yeah, this is oh, this movie's so good. I mean, Pat Ichewski, uh, best he got an Oscar for for the screenplay. Uh, it's like one of the best screenplays of all time, according to uh, writers, and so good. Uh, so so much good stuff packed in there. Oh, it's got Ume, everything. Yeah. It's got and your Lume, love interest, romance, killing, robberies, excitement, drama. Yeah, and it's all done in such such a good way. I mean Lumet's Lumet's directing really gets the most out of the actors. Like he was a he was a very actor oriented director, and you can really tell that he got he got the most I mean they there was I think all there was two William Holden and Peter Finch both got nominated for Best Actor. Faye Dunaway got nominated for Best Actress. Beatrice Strait, which was which played uh, William Holden's wife, she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I mean, every actor turns in amazing performances, and I think that's due in large part to Lumet. I, I mean, how do you say his name? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I think um, Holden's part playing as Max is just amazing. Oh, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. And at the beginning of the movie, I was kind of like, oh, is, are we supposed to not like this guy, you know? And you're kind of supposed to, you're you know you're kind of eh, I think you're supposed to be on the edge because I mean he is kind of a, uh, I mean he's cheating on his wife of course, and but he's man enough to tell her two weeks later. That's true. Not that, that I I said that very like <laughs> so that wipes out the bad. I think that's totally wrong for the record. Uh, um, but let the record stay. Yeah, but the way that he I guess like. Yeah, no. It, well, and that's it, what, I mean, his whole, well, we'll get into that later. His whole speech to Faye Dunaway at the end saying, like, I feel guilt and conscience stricken and all these things that you think, Zach. Uh, all the things that your all the things that your generation think are sentimental. Yeah. To human decency. Yeah. I was like, yeah. But. <laughs> like, that's a man. But, uh, no, this, I mean, this is so good. I've seen this a couple times. And just what this says about our society, the way it so prophetic the way it predicted how our society stands right now how our politics stand right now it's just so good so good so yeah i guess i'll 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 go on the recap and then we can really dig into it howard beale an anchor for ubs is fired for poor ratings so he says on air that he's going to kill himself on his last broadcast at first the network is furious but his antics lead to incredible high ratings after he tells everyone that they should be mad as hell and not take it anymore. The network execs, namely head of programming Diana Christensen, wants to exploit Beale to boost the ratings, which doesn't please Max Schumacher, with, wit- with whom she is having an affair with, and Max is soon fired. The network soon makes Beale's rantings against the system into its own show, which becomes the number one show on television. But after Beale puts a deal between the network's parent company and foreign money in danger, he is talked to by company head Jensen and changes his tune. With this, his ratings go down, and Diana, along with the other execs, want to get him off the air. Now that Beale is the apple of Jensen's eye, the only option the execs have is to kill Beale to get him off the air. Beale is killed on air, proving a network will really kill for ratings. End of movie. So what do, what do you want to talk about first, Ty? I mean, we can get into, you know, your media sensationalism. How about that? You want to you want to kick things off? With yeah, that? let's do it. Um, yeah. Um, oh, I was just gonna say, I, I think this, you know, it, it's like I said before, it's kind of a prime example of what uh, when when you're doing something that is totally based off of mon- monetary, or when the ratings are 
directly affected by I'm sorry. When the money is directly affected by the ratings. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. When the money is directly affected by the ratings, you know, this is kind of like the this is kind of like the game land that you get into. Um I think and I think that's kind of what sparked up a lot of these like hardcore pundits, you know, like Rachel Rachel Maddow and uh you know, Sean Hannity or things like that because people love to people love to feel like hate mm-hmm. kind of oh, yeah. you know what i mean Manufactured like they, descent. i mean we're mad as hell so it's it, the whole kick of this whole movie um was when he came back after he he said he was gonna kill himself and then like they were furious they kicked him out or whatever he went back to max's place then they were like the ratings are so good bring him back in and he went in and he was just like you know like i don't know what to say really and he was just like, I want you to scream out your window. No, I guess it was a couple episodes. No, there, that was the we're mad as hell. No, that was his first yeah, one, was, right? Yeah. Wasn't it? No, no, that was that was the second yeah. one. Because the first one where he he was supposed to go on and apologize. Max Schumacher was in and he's like, keep him on, keep him on. It, he's saying life's bullshit. Oh, and right. And then on yeah. the next one, yeah. that's when he was in that's the right. house. And his house and his. Yeah, that was after Max got right. fired. He was in his house. And, and he, yeah. yeah. And anyway, so he, I mean, basically they get people fired up and they do it at prime time. And I mean, that's it. It just, it like, I don't know how else to say it, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's looking at it now, what, 40 years after 50 years after almost 50 years after it's been made 44 mm-hmm. years yeah. or whatever after it's been made. And it's a straight satire of what some media companies have become. And I say some because I want to make it clear that there are uh, just as much as there are ethical straight line journalists working in print for magazines, newspapers, etc. There are for TV too. They're on a lot of smaller stations usually working in local mm. communities. But when you get things like CNN and Fox News um, that have these ratings battles all in MSNBC, NBC, you know, they have these ratings mm-hmm. battles all the time. You, that's, I mean, that's what they're competing for. They're competing for that top spot on TV. And usually you'll see it with whoever can rile their viewers up the most. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, just like, uh, Diana says, she's like the American people want somebody to articulate their rage. And exactly. that's manufactured dissent. I mean, that's all this is showing. And it's exactly like you said, those shows, the shows that, you know, really pander to one, to one side of the aisle or the other. And, or I guess like in Beale's case, his is pretty much just, it's not taking a political stance really. It's just saying you should be mad at the status quo. Right. And and he, I mean, and that was all fun and that was all fine until he went rogue kind of and came after uh, the corporate the actual and, company uh, and uh yeah. what is what does jensen say you have meddled with the primal forces of nature mr beale and i will not have it oh man yeah oh that was that speech all is right so like one of the greatest scenes in cinema history for so sure 100 percent. also i think that's my favorite picture of the whole movie down that shot down, across down the table oh yeah uh, that's good it's, it's good it's so good it's so good and another thing that i liked is uh you know, he's basically, he's yelling at Howard and, oh, he's, his whole rant is basically, there's no people, there's no Saudis, there's no Chinese, mm. there's no people, it's only money. Yeah, there's just one, one vast ecumenical holding company and there is, exactly. there are no Russians, there are no Arabs, there's just Dow and DuPont and AT&T and ITT. And IBM. And IBM. Yeah, exactly. And I mean. And he just goes on and on and on and his whole spiel was that world? This world is a business, mm-hmm. and um, and I mean that's it was true at the time. It was starting to become globalization was starting to become a thing. Then you know there was trading between mm-hmm. nations and stuff, but I mean nothing like now. The world is fully globalized, you know, and there's just like uh, Jensen says, money goes into one system and goes back into another system. You know, there's always. Yeah, there's always just money going between country and country, and uh, he's like, it's it's like a tidal flow. It must go out and come back in, and you can't you can't mess with these things because that's the way the world works. And now, I mean, that's 
he's right. That's the way. That's where we're at now. I mean, it totally, yeah. totally predicted that. And as I said earlier, you know, uh, Beal is kind of this fire and brimstone guy who's just mad as hell, and he laid the like the the satire of this whole thing is that that's what pundits really are today. That's why they're brought on um, to a lot of these networks is just to talk their points and be angry about it. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like Webster, uh, Webster dictionary classifies a pundit as a learned person, which sounds like a dumb phrase. Um, learned, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a learned, I'm a learned person. Uh, I think I said learned at first. I meant learned, (laughs) uh, Either way, this is where kind of pundit fits better under that definition is a person who gives opinions in an authorita- uh, authoritative manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's basically what it is. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor of medicine or a lawyer or whatever. If you get on there and you're fired up enough one side or another, you're going to get on TV. Yeah, exactly. Like most pundits, I view most pundits as knowing less than most people. You know, the, the, all they're doing is trying to tell you what to believe they don't actually you know haven't actually thought through just like i mean just like diana says and maybe maybe some pundits do care about what they're saying who knows but i'm sure there are at times i don't think anybody has malintentions i i mean i i'm a person that likes to think most people have good intentions for things and whether you're a pundit or not you go out there thinking that your knowledge is the best knowledge and the way i kind of perceive it is um if i were if I were to go on a talk show or a TV show and talk about me as a person, I would talk very author- authoritative because I think I know everything about me and I do. But the way that I view it is probably the way that I view myself is probably different than other people view myself. Well, yeah, but I guess authoritative is different than I don't want to say rage inducing, but I guess that's kind of where I'm going. Like there's one thing like, like you're watching all these uh, press conferences and stuff with the coronavirus, and like Fauci comes up, Fauci, however you say his name, you know what yeah. I'm talking the, about. Yeah, that doctor everybody knows. The doctor everybody knows. Fa- I think it's Fauci. Fa- but, um. uh, anyway, he comes up and he's he's saying what's going on, and you know, an authoritative authoritative way, and just letting and just giving facts and what the conclusions have come like what conclusions they've come to and all that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't, but the difference between him, he's just, he is in the style of like somebody that would have been on the news in like the fifties, you know, he's stating the facts. Whereas then you go to somebody like your, uh, like you said, Hannity or somebody like that. And they're, they're trying to peel it one way or the other. You know what I mean? They have, there's there's always a slant whereas he's giving he's giving facts and I so I think even though he's talking authoritatively I wouldn't say he's a pundit so I don't think just because somebody yeah like, that's true but I don't know it's I guess it's just how you want to classify it but I guess I just think it's just one one person's raging opinion and they're trying to well, get as it, many people angry about things as they are that's their only sure. intention and I think. I think a big difference between Fauci and, and, and people who are at those press conferences for the most part aren't necessarily people who want who wanted their reputation to be on TV. You know what right. I mean? Right. They just happen to have to do that. As and, and they're respected enough to get to have the position that they have. Right. And, uh, you know, for the last how many years has he been been in charge of <laughs> like, infectious diseases? Like 40 or something like that. Ex- exactly. <laughs> now we're now everybody's like learning about him and uh, we can't even say his name, but he's had the same position for the last four decades. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a very big difference too. Whereas you have people like, uh, like, I mean, I don't even want, like Trevor Noah is kind of like more of a satire comedy Mm-hmm. central kind of guy but he's also very left-wing and tucker tucker carlson where they have like these monologues of explaining the day's current events through a, in a way that oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say through a particular lens and everything's exactly. interpreted yeah. through and nothing nothing is you know just stated as the way it is there's always some right. ulterior point of view or some it's always interpreted in a different way than straight facts 
Yeah. And, the, and I also think that this is kind of the bastardization of news. Oh, for sure. Because for sure. I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I, that's the whole I point of the think movie. that I, I pretty much know it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's for sure. But <laughs> I think it's, I think it's like, it's transformed so much into that, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, and, and that's, I could go on a, I could go on a spiel all day long, but that's kind of the, that's like the basis of why people classify media. They'll say the media when, and that's like the biggest thing that irks me, I think, is when people call just whatever the media, mm-hmm. because mass media is YouTube, Facebook, CB, CBS, uh, NBC, CNN, Fox News. Like that's all the mass media because mass media mass media is just mass communication. Right, it's reaching when you're a wide printing audience. anything exactly. So a newspaper, mass media. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's the. So I hate the classification of the media because people say it, but in their heads they're thinking they're you know, when you say the media, are you thinking CNN and Fox or are you thinking that your local paper down the street kind of thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I could go on banter on that for a while, but. My my point being is when people say these things, the the spearheads of some of these places, like when you think of um, Fox News, there's definitely reputable uh, news uh, like journalists who work for Fox News, hands down, mm-hmm. that are ethical, correct, straight laced, down the line, don't voice their opinions. But the people whose names you recognize and think of are the people who get people fired up who have opinions, who speak through different, their, their preferred preference of, you know, left or right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same thing as uh, on CNN. There's plenty of pundits, and those are the people who you know more than you don't. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's kind of, and it's kind of morphed into that because the people whose names that you know aren't the people who are most of the time going out there and being the ones on the front lines doing their thing kind of thing, you know? Right. The, the people you see and the, that give the reputations to the networks or to the various organizations, right. those are the ones getting this information, the factual sources. And they're the ones, you know, like you said, they're the ones bastardizing this, the, the facts and information they're getting and turning it into something they can weaponize. Exactly. And, and I don't, I don't want anybody to get like the wrong idea either, because like I said, there's definitely reputable journalists in all media and there's always the, there's always going to be bad seeds and everything. Right. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like on a local level, Fox obviously owns a ton of stations, wherever you're listening from, you probably have a local Fox station, uh, whether it's Fox 43, Fox five or whatever. And 90% of the time, those are local people that are in that. But a lot of people think that just because their name their name is Fox. They recognize that with like Carlston or uh, Hannity or um, you know Glenn Beck or not not Glenn Beck. No, he he actually uh, he's one of the ones that said that was I was wrong. <laughs> you know that was bad. That was a bad thing. Yeah, no, not Glenn Beck. Who am I thinking of? Oh, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Oh yeah, he's still doing it. He's still going uh, hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I I actually there was like. Uh, Glenn Beck, actually, he was one of, he said he wanted to be like, he wanted to be the Howard Beale and like unironically, he said he wanted to be the Howard Beale of today or, but this was like whatever, 10 years ago, whenever he was still doing his shtick. I think he unironically said He has a YouTube program now, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he said that and it's like, no, the, the point of this is we don't want that. That's the, no, that's wrong. Like, don't you see that? And I think he's, he is now come to his senses and it seems like he's he's trying to be more center now and he's like no that was that was pretty crappy of me to do like that was being a pundit is not a very good thing for society as a whole you know even though you think it might benefit some some people or even if you even believe some of the things you're saying uh which i don't know if he did or not but even if you do, you're doing it in a counterproductive way to society. Yeah. And look at it this way, too. It's it's the people who want to be the Howard Beals who I mean, not that Howard Beale wanted to be the Howard Beale, but but the people who want to be have that status almost. Um, mm, yeah, they are the ones who um, the, they 
basically just want the actors. They want the fame of it. Yeah, they want the power. They want to yeah. tell their minions what to think. Exactly. And uh, that's that's what they want. And then all the execs are saying, we're just going to make oodles and oodles of money off of this. So I guess I want this relating back to the movie. Did was Howard Howard was. I think, well, what do you think was Howard's deal? Was he mentally ill? Yeah. Slash do you, he was sincere, though, right? Like when he wakes up in the bed at night. Yes. He's definitely thinks that these, you know, he's definitely thinks somebody told him to do this and he's actually raging against the system and stuff, but they're just exploiting him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I I thought so too, but I wanted to, he's not, he's not just trying to stay on air, even though the one scene when him and Max are telling stories to each other and then the whole office ends up coming in in, and like listening to these stories of the old days of news. Mm-hmm. And the guy comes down, he's like, they're going to offer Howard a job to do his raging opinion there. He's going to be the angry prophet denouncing the hypocrisies of our time. <laughs> and he's like, I, I told him they, you wouldn't do it. Cause it's just insulting. And it's, and it's funny. Cause well, I can't remember like, who says it. Well, do you want to be an angry prophet denouncing the hypocrisies of our time? And Howard goes, yes, I think I'd like to be an angry prophet. Denouncing <laughs> and there, it just seems like he's saying, yeah, I'd still like to work for this company, you know, right. and collect a paycheck. Well, he, I think in his mind too, he was just like, I, I kind of think that he was sincere with the mad as hell, obviously. And mm-hmm. before that, with the life is bullshit, he was sincere. Mm hmm. And but I, I think he just got to a point where uh, he realized that he could say whatever he wanted to say, and he said how he felt, and how he felt was genuine. Like when he woke up on the bed and had that night terror, or whatever it was, or the the dream, um, mm-hmm. the vision, whatever you want to call it. I think that was all sincere. But I think what happened was that he kind of had an awakening of realizing that he could say whatever he wanted and still have airtime. Right, because he was bringing in the bringing in fifty share. Exactly. Um, and that I did you notice the similarities? I don't know if I was supposed to draw this, but I saw the scene of him in bed waking up in the middle of the night, and then him when he's talking or getting yelled at by Jensen. Mm-hmm. Those are supposed to elicit the same. He says, I feel like he says almost like the same words in both of those scenes. He says, "Am I am I getting through to you, Mister Beale?" And at one point, and uh, Howard goes, yes, but why me? And uh, he says, well, because you're on television, dummy. And that's exactly what he said right? Uh, when he was in bed. And then he said that on air. So I don't know if it was just a reference back to that or if it was supposed to be like, that's why Howard changed his tune so much is because he saw this as another religious experience. And that, that Yeah, I mean, that could be it, yeah. Because it's hard to believe. I mean, it's kind of odd that he was railing against the machine so much. And then the machine that built him. <laughs> yeah. And he was railing against it. And then the machine says, no, you can't do that. And he goes, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like you would think he would push back against that, but I guess he sees this as another, as another epiphany and that he, and that's why he gets super depressing and starts <laughs> people stop watching him because he gets too, he says, instead of saying you should be mad as hell and trying to change the world, right? To your Congressman, blah, blah, blah. He's just like, well, nothing matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't, whatever you do won't change anything. Uh, Went to nihil- world, nihilism. Whatever you do, the world the world's still run by corporations, and you're you're screwed either way. So yeah, I don't. I I just thought that was an interesting comparison to see those both as religious. But man, that but you can almost believe it because that scene is so good. Oh Ed yeah. Beatty just puts in. Such what he I think he got nominated for best supporting actor too. For oh, that was like the way that he like walked him in. Up. It was just genuine. Like they say, I could sell anything, and then he just goes into it, and it's like musical. Oh, it's so good. Uh, this has one of the best scenes in any movie I've watched, which is that one. And then also the best like pair of lines when they're <laughs> the communists when they're talking to them about their show and she says, uh, what I can't remember her name, but the, the head communist lady, he says, the communist party isn't going to see a goddamn nickel of this until it hits syndication. <laughs> and then she <laughs> says, uh, 
they're talking about mess. They're talking about changing the distribution costs and, and she says, don't fuck with my distribution costs. Yeah. You got a hardcore communist that wants to, you know, change Make the whole system Make profit on over. capitalism. Exactly. And it's like, no, no, don't mess with this. I'm making money off this. And right. the Communist Party can't make money off this until it hits syndication. You can't. You got to change this. And it's like, it's just a perfect encapsulation how, like, money is always going to creep in and capitalism will always creep into any system. Money is God. It's It's just money... Money rules everything, you know? Yeah. No, it's a perfect, like, uh, it's a perfect showing of how capitalism can protect itself from any, just like, I mean, the communists, once they get any, any type of option to actually promote their ideas and stuff like that, they're, then all they're concerned about is making money off of it. Right. You know, and then same with Beal, whatever he's, even though he's spewing against the machine, that's the highest rated, that's the biggest money maker for the machine itself. It's like, uh, it's, it's almost so freaking ironic that you wouldn't think it would make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like hot topics on a $30 t-shirt that says like down with capitalism or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like, it's only just facilitating itself by fake being mad at itself and selling that selling that uh rage and like manufactured dissent against itself it's still benefiting from it it's just crazy but i did want to say like media like when this came out the media at the time was like this is ridiculous like media would never television will never become like this this is just utterly absurd like we have too many we're too upstanding not corporation um industry we're too upstanding in the industry to you know actually behave this way or you know make money like like when uh robert duvall and is talking to a couple of the other execs and the head of the uh, the head of ubs is like no i'm not i'm not playing that kind of that kind of filth or something like that. And Robert Duvall says, no, we, we can take it. We will take anything we can get. We're just, we're just a whorehouse company and <laughs> you know, whatever, pretty much whatever makes a buck we're, yeah. we're going to put on air. Like values don't matter. And I think everybody in media saw that or everybody in like the TV news industry saw that and was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like we have morals and, and it's like, man, they did not see it coming. So it was way too late. But and, and here's another thing too. I like you know how I said earlier. I don't think anybody goes into being a like a hardcore pundit one way or another with malintentions. It they didn't want to build this up as they didn't build this up with bad intentions of it. They built it up because they need people to stay on there. And even if they do have credible news, you know, it was it wasn't about that. It was Howard was just the powerhouse that brought the money that kept everything else he was the glue but it is bad intentions because you don't care like when uh i mean i think they're talking about the communist program the mao say tongue hour at the time but <laughs> uh faye faye dunaway diana says oh i don't give a damn what the political content is and it's pretty much like they don't as long as they're making money they don't they're morally they have no moral connection to what they're putting out they don't care what the people actually get. So I don't think well, that's... I, all right. I, I guess I meant um, where as new as as far as news went. The, like, all right. So when Max got fired, they brought in a new guy, right? Yeah. Who was okay with it. And I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too far into it. But I think he was okay with it because people would come to the station, which kept their people going. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. were just trying to get into the black. Now, you had a... I mean, um, what's her name? The why can't I think of her name? Diana. Diana. Yeah. Diana. Uh, you had Diana who wasn't in news at all. Right. And then she she comes from just looking at a. I mean, and, and we've seen this in recent years, even with newspapers too. She's been looking at just metrics, just numbers. And she says, this is what we can do to get more numbers. And it's like, well, if that's what we have to do to get more numbers, to get people reading our, you know, to keep the good product going, then that's what it's going to be. And it's it's basically just a manufactured demon because it ends up killing whatever, you know what I mean, uh, ethical intent that the product had 
Anyway, so UBS obviously becomes known as the Howard Beale Show, and that's their primetime spot, their main hour, and then they start sprinkling in uh, a whole series on crazy, what do they say? What what does Max say to her at the end? Because she's been so desensitized to it. Uh, um, which I, I, War, murder, and death. They're all the same to use bottles of beer. Yeah, exactly. And it's... I don't know if that all made sense Like, not, yeah, it's like you and everything the industry touches, you're in... Yeah, he's talking about, like, being corrupted by her. And says, I don't want to be corrupted like you and everything the industry touches. Uh, because he calls he calls her TV incarnate. And she's he's like, you're indifferent to suffering, insensitive to joy, war, murder, and death are all, like, the same to you as bottles of beer. So it's pretty much, I mean... Right. The old, the old tagline: "If it bleeds, it leads." I mean, that's that's the right. rise of tabloid TV, like the rise yep. of putting whatever out there just to get as many as many eyes on it. It doesn't care what's actually important. It's like what what is gonna get people to emotion elicit an emotional response and to look to look that direction. And if you need a real time example of that, um, look at the New York Post. On yeah, day. that's true. No, but I mean, I think this was, I think, and that's why, that's why I said when I, we talked, it's just kind of a depressing movie because I don't even think we've talked, came, came across the ending, but Howard Beale does die on live television because of the ratings. Right. Um, so they sacrificed an actual person's life to get better Literally ratings. killing for ratings. Um, l- literally, yeah. And, uh, but I, I mean, I think with the sensationalism and, and just the you have like the money maker that makes the metrics work that makes the money come in even though you have like i won't name names but there there are um newspapers out there that you know obviously um thankfully i work at one that has integrity but there there's competitors that have a lot of clickbaity headlines with no real meat or it's just aggregated content but they do that because they know that it'll elicit something from mm-hmm. people uh, and that, that was the rise of clickbait culture, in my opinion, was when the same thing that happened to TV news in the late eighties, nineties, when they started, I, maybe it was even later it than was, that. I it was really around, know. it was around the middle of the eighties. I mean, it was when CNN came is when it really got boosted. When 24 hour yeah, news kind of exactly. came in and it, it was the same thing you saw. So it was pretty much the same thing that happened to newspapers and, um, in print production when they went online because you have a new competition field. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to keep people around more for different things. And that created uh, the clickbait culture. You know what I mean? Whether it was on YouTube and people are doing it for the rad ev- rad ad revenue, the rad Avenue, um, or if it was on uh, the New York post, yeah. you know what I mean? That it's, and it's going to happen again with something else later down well, it's the line. Hap- it's, it's almost like it yeah, it's already going. happened with the. I mean, the internet. It's the same. Like you can make a network now on the internet. You know, it's oh, the yeah. same. Like I wonder what the if somebody maybe we should make a movie about that time. What 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 network but substituted with internet culture instead of television would be like. Honestly, yeah. But yeah, so we have a lot of movie ideas. Right? Yeah, we just gotta get. We just we gotta get. We gotta get we on. Just them. Need, we just need funds. <laughs> so uh, if you're hearing this, uh, donate to roll it. <laughs> now, so this talking about predictions like this. This talks about uh, what is CBC the parent company? CBC, I think that's. I think CBC. I thought CBC was the competitor. CAC, whatever the parent company, it's a it's a company that bought UBS. Um, But that like there hadn't been an act, there wasn't a a merger, a like media merger until 1986 when Capital Cities bought ABC. So it it predicted these mass mergers, and then that when the uh, I think the equal time rule and then the fairness doctrine, those were both. Those are both acts from Congress and the equal time rule, I believe, was if you give a certain amount of time to uh, to one party or one party's view on something, you had to give the mm-hmm. same amount of time to the other party if you were yeah. whatever you were covering. Yep. And then the fairness doctrine, which was gotten rid of in 1987, 
which coincided went right after all these media mergers started happening, which is quite the coincidence. Um, the fairness doctrine ended and that was the fairness doctrine was controversial views had to be contrasted with opposing viewpoints for if they, whatever, whatever topic they covered. And then that was got if, pun, if they had pundits on or whatever in the equal time thing was, um, I believe a baby of like the first televised debates. Right. Yeah. The equal time um, was, and then the fairness doctrine was of course, in addition to that. So you had both right. of these and then by the eighties, both of these were, well, I'm not sure. Yeah. They must've been, I don't know when the equal time one was done, but I know what it is now, but the fairness doctrine was dead in 1987, which was the year after, I think there was a couple mergers in 86 when ABC got bought and I think CBS got bought. But anyway, so... And then Disney said no. <laughs> and uh, We want it all. Uh, but I think that's pretty interesting to see these murders happen and then only a year later, this Fairness Doctrine gets gets uh, mowed down. Because the networks see, they're like, well, we can make far more money without this whole uh, equal time and equal and fairness to different viewpoints and just put one opinion on and we'll get as many people as we can to, to agree with this one opinion. Ooh, are these ethics? Get them out of here. <laughs> exactly. Yuck. Um, what was I, where was I going to go with that to? Oh, you see that a lot in, uh, with, um, I'm trying to, with newspapers too, because you have, you have a bit, you have a lot of corporate companies that own these hedge fund companies that own a lot of newspapers, mm-hmm. uh, like whether it's Gannett or, um, oh, I am blanking on the guy's name, but he, right now he owns the Denver Post. It's, um, John Elway. <laughs> no, there's, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's like, um, DFM, Digital First Media. And then there's, um, and there's also uh, like advanced media and stuff like that who own hundreds of newspapers that are locally uh, th- that cover lo- locales uh, and, you know, but they're forced into these. Uh, they, they don't have as much. I guess what I'm trying to say is independent papers like the one I work for <laughs> it, are, are rare. Um, they don't have as much say in thing. what they're posting. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, like there were. Yeah. Like. When it, when it comes to a newspaper that's, say, owned by Gannett, they all do the same thing. And now there was just another merger where uh, – so little <laughs> – I won't dive into this. But um, USA Today uh, is owned by Gannett. Gannett and Gatehouse Media just had a merger uh, that didn't happen too, too long ago. And Gatehouse Media owns a bunch of different papers uh, in Pennsylvania – but um, one that both you and I are familiar with is the Erie Times News. So now the Erie Times News and Gannett can share things, can share stories, but they have to run kind of by the same rules. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you might not have somebody working locally who runs the social media. Um, they might be states away or different cities and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also metric goals that you have to hit, and that's where you start getting into these rat races that lead to dead ends. Um, and when you're owned by a hedge fund, when the money starts getting slim because the rich want to get richer kind of thing, uh, you know, they start cutting everybody everywhere. Right. Cause they don't, they don't feel the need to actually put good content, but as long as something can grab people and get them to put money into looking, either looking at advertisement or whatever, making clicks, then it doesn't matter exactly. what they're putting out. Exactly. So I I know this sounds like a side tangent off of no, it's totally related <laughs> though. But um, but I mean that's just how it is nowadays. So a lot of things that like for example, um, I used to work for Gannett Paper and they had a partnership with I'm trying to think it was something about animals or whatever. But every time that there was a new video, it was oh Animal Kind, and they had one called Human Kind too. And they had millions of people who followed them on Facebook and stuff like that. So every time they put out a new video on their Facebook, it would get shared on our, it would get shared on our local newspaper's Facebook with no questions asked. It just mm. happened because oh. the people who produce that, the people who run the social media accounts, are out of state or something. Like they're that's like just commands, you know. But 
the the hopes of doing that is it drives traffic back to the locale site or whatever it is. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah. Um. So, like I said, kind of good intentions on the on the start of it, but if you, I don't know uh, if that's good intentions because you're all uh, you're yeah, still no, that's doing. Not good intentions. You're not actually. You're still you're all you're caring in about is dis- bringing in money. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and that's the problem with hedge funds and, and corporate businesses that own. Um, so much journalism. Yeah. Uh, products, I think personally, but uh, I digress. I can. I, <laughs> I, I don't want this to be on my little soapbox. But if I can end with something, no matter who owns your local paper, you should uh, you should try to support them if you can, especially in times like this with uh, a lot of coronavirus stuff. In the last week since we recorded our last one, um, a lot of a lot of bad stuff has happened in uh, in journalism. Whether it's uh, in my paper, about eleven people, uh, eleven. Um, more than 11, uh, but at least two dozen probably. People got laid off uh, across Gannett, over 200 or over 180 papers in the nation. Everybody who makes under a certain amount has to take a week on pay. It's just it's hard time for journalists right now, so you should support your local paper um, because it's just real people trying to do real things. Back to the movie where it is the opposite. Sorry to <laughs> go on that little bit, but... No worries. An, in, an insider <laughs> view. That's good. That's all right, Ty. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on a couple, uh, just a couple more things the movie did. A, a couple more smart things the movie did. Um, yeah, so, and I have a couple. I have a couple uh, compositions that I want to hit on too. Oh yeah, I got I got a couple things to say on that too. So yeah, we'll we'll jump into that in just a minute. I just I did want to mention. So obvious. I think I don't know if you picked up on this, but you can see uh, Max, of course, represents the old news. And Diana represents the new news, you know, these mm-hmm. people that weren't involved in anything that actually was like journalistic integrity and stuff kind of taking over the news and making it what they see fit. So this, mm-hmm. they represent the, the old news kind of being seduced by this new, this new news and this Looney Tunes generation, which eventually happened, even though, uh, Max ends up leaving here in the end, it's. It's been too late. The news has already been corrupted. Mm-hmm. Just like he has already been corrupted. But yeah, so we can see that. And then I guess that's that's the main. And then I wanted, I did want to touch on there's the, uh, I think it was Patty Chievsky talked about this, that the way they shot it, uh, they shot it not very naturalistically at first in terms of lighting. And, and then is it, is it progressed? It got more of a drama, like a play, and you saw more spotlights and more. Mm-hmm. And then by the dramatic end, lighting, it was totally. You're stealing my bit, bro. <laughs> oh, I'll let you go. But yeah, by the <laughs> no, end, no, 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 no. By the end, it was it was like in the he specifically notes the scene where uh, Diana is talking to the other execs about killing Howard. Mm-hmm. He says that's that's lit exactly like a commercial is lit. So we tried to do more more from naturalistic and real real life uh shots to a totally commercialized feeling very artificial exactly just like the news is becoming yeah i mean and it's uh news in the media by the way right or news in the movie i meant (laughs) what i meant news in the how the news is becoming in the movie uh oh yeah but how it eventually becomes (laughs) in real life too <laughs> oh yeah yeah okay I see but, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah yeah that's what i was anyway go ahead you can you can take the bit from here no i was gonna say yeah i mean it, it's it's very just contrasting in that way because it starts off um they they kind of lit the whole movie kind of like a spotlight thing but that was easy to do because a lot of it was in the studio but as far as big scenes that kind of set the scene setters, I guess, is when you have Max and Howard outside of the bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like, just very natural light and, like, two old journalists talking, you know, after a night of drinks, right? And then uh, we're fast-forward to the very artificial, faked corporate business uh, office space where they're plotting to kill somebody. It's... Uh, I, I feel like... The, uh, we kind of overlooked that scene too. That was just crazy and came out of nowhere. Well, that's right? and that's like the first that's the, the first person that it, mentions right? it. But I mean, yeah, that's yeah. I think that is the idea and how far everybody was calm about it. They're like, oh, "Hope you're not tapped in. No, hope you don't have any microphones in this room." Yeah, I think that. They're I mean, like, "Yeah, so we're gonna kill him." Exactly. <laughs> like that's. I think that's the joke. It's like this is how far a company would go to boost ratings, and 
I think the first, like, I think, I think it's Robert Duvall's character mentions it first. He's like, well, I guess we got to kill him. And I don't think he's completely serious, but I think he's half serious. And then they're like, yep, that's, uh, yeah, that's the only option I see. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, the head of the news still is, you know, the guy with the wavy gray hair. I can't remember yeah. his name, but he's like, we're talking about a capital crime here. Like you think he's going to say like, we can't, this is ridiculous. We can't do this. And he says, well, he was the one who was opposed to it at the, uh, at the beginning, whenever they had the meeting, he was the one who was or mad the little that, brunch or whatever. Yeah, he was the one that was mad. The company was turning and then into a quote unquote, as Robert Duvall calls it a whorehouse. Right. Whorehouse, um, yeah. because you think he's going to object to you and say, we can't kill him because he's like, we're talking about a capital crime here. And then like a second later, he says, the network can't be implicated in this. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, I took a turn. Uh, yeah, what, uh, what a so scene. so gross, isn't it? Yeah. And then I wanted to talk about the, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the last scene. After, when he gets killed, what do you, what do you think about that? When it zooms out and then it goes into the screens, what do you think about that shot? I, I, well, that's exactly how they started. Yeah, yeah, and and so and you have the same uh, anchor in the bottom right, guy with the red uh, coat or whatever. Yeah, for the various news yeah. orgs. Yeah, yeah, because there's a couple different anchors that pop up in those screens. Yeah, but I guess he's like I mean I I don't know why my eye was drawn to him. Maybe it's because he was wearing red or whatever. Yeah. But I really liked how they match. I mean, like I just love full circle. You know. Oh yeah, it's good. The book ending is great, and yeah. but like even better. It's just. They pop it up the way it's, uh, but Howard's death and like this breaking news, uh, Howard Beale's murdered on air and it, they just put it right, but they juxtapose the Howard's death and they're, you know, the, like you said, the anchor comes on cause he got four screens. So the anchor's on one, he's talking about UBS anchor or UBS newsman. Howard Beale was just shot on live television. And then you look over to the screen right beside it and there's like a life serial commercial and it's like, try life serial today yeah and it's these two kids like joking around about life cereal and then there's like an airlines commercial and the canada dry commercial and these are all juxtaposed right beside howard dying uh brutally being killed and because even in the midst of death corporate emerge like corporate still takes the cake exactly like that the it's that's the constant yeah like howard's death all howard's death is is just more advertising money that's all it's equated to in that scene. That's the way I view it. Like that's it's Howard's death just equates to another hundred thousand dollars from Canada dry for the company. Yeah. I didn't even really, I, I caught that they were juxtaposing how they were rolling commercials, but I didn't really catch that. Uh, I like how you put that though. Yeah. That in their eyes, it's just another av- advertisement for the, for the station. Yeah. It's just going to boost share. That's going to boost shares. And it's just, yeah, exactly. It's all it is, is just more money they're bringing in. That's all they see it as. So, as the uh, as the poster for this movie says, television will never be the same, and uh, I think that's I think that's the case. After this, it never really was. That's true, and it, it's it's crazy how much of a yeah, it's it's crazy how much of a like satire it became. I guess mm-hmm. how yeah how true how prophetic it was so prophetic. Yeah, and I really like how at the end when he's talking to Diana, Diana, Di- why do I keep Diana? <laughs> Diana, uh, he said, "You destroyed that just like you, or you destroyed it destroyed you just like everything the industry of television touched destroyed." Right. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, this movie was crazy. Yeah, it's so good though. I know it's depressing, but so good. Yeah, it's so relevant. Depressed. I mean, like so relevant in today's today's time. Look at the media and look at our politics and just see how messed up it is. And it was all predicted by this movie. Yeah. Nothing like putting an irresponsible man on national television. (laughs) Exactly. A manifestly irresponsible man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's, yep, that's where we're at. But anyway. That's all I got. I mean, I, I, you know, we touched on the composition of the four screens. I like how they started and I like how they ended. The, The big draw for me was that scene when um the president of the company or whatever was talking to howard beale in the conference room with all like centered and all those lights like it was beautiful <laughs> oh it was yeah that was the best scene best scene in the movie yeah and um 
But I, I think, too, we talked a lot about the dramatic lighting and how it was, like, naturally lit, but a lot of it was still artificially lit, and it was kind of easy to tell that, uh, mm. like, even walking down the street and stuff like that. But the director of photography was Owen uh, Rosman, Roisman, something like that. He also did, like, a bunch... He did a bunch of movies in, like, the 70s and 80s and 90s, um, like The Addams Family and, and things like that. Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Waited for the network. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a couple that I didn't... Oh, Wyatt Earp. I'd never seen that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But Tootsie... A bun- like, he just did a bunch. Anyways, the my point being, though, is uh, that lighting style worked so well for them because a lot of it was in the studio, so it made sense, and it kind of evolved mm. to how you were talking about it, too. But in the, in the 70s, too, they were lighting a lot of movie sets like that. You know, artificial light, harsh light, very... Just uh, harsh lighting. You know what I mean? Mm. Commercial... Uh, Commercialized. Very, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're getting to a point then when making movies almost became a science. You know, it's like, all right, we got to have good light, easy to manufacture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see that. I mean, not to get into a whole film history of film, but like after pretty much the 70s was the era of, you know, your, your thought provoking, your uh, intense movies about human themes and stuff like that. And then after like Jaws and Star Wars. You were like you, you know, you ended up in into the blockbuster, very calculated movies. Like we put this, this, and this together. Boom, we're making we make fifty million. Exactly. You lose all artistic, all artistic and moral <laughs> scruples, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's that's all I got. If you're good, I guess. <laughs> I'm good. That's all I got, Ryan. Um, we do have an announcement, though. Oh, yeah. Take her, Ty. If you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, at Podcast, the only two places you can follow us on the interwebs, mm-hmm. uh, along with any podcast platform you so desire to use, you would see that we just did a, um, a giveaway, a bunch of stickers. If you're listening to it now and you said, oh, that sounds great, have bad news for you. <laughs> We're about to announce the winners. But the good news is this probably won't be the last giveaway that we do. So make sure you, uh, you know, we also drop photos. We try to be a little funny. Ryan is pretty good with picking out the gifts on Twitter. Um, and it just kind of stay up to date with the episodes that come come out. And, um, you know, you can kind of interact with us through there too. Uh, send us a message. Let us know what you like, what you don't like about the episodes, your thoughts on the movies that we listen to. Is that enough for the, <laughs> the ad to follow us on social? Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, we, we do the same thing on Twitter and Instagram that everybody does. So yeah. Follow us over there. Anyways, we have a giveaway. We had a bunch of stickers, and we're going to give a bunch out to people who participated in it. And some of those winners are, drumroll please. And the winners are uh, Jennifer McNeil. Eight is Neil Strebig. Five is Natalia Buzik. Three is Alex Klein and Jake Heigl. Okay. There are our winners. I, I effed up the numbers a lot. So <laughs> I guess what, what I was saying with those numbers was we did a random number generator. Um, and so everybody who entered got a number assigned to them. So those numbers before you said that. But um, it all to makes go over sense. again, yeah. I right, yeah, give, them, give them one more list. So, yeah, the winners are we picked five winners from Twitter and Instagram um, of the people who – Entered, it is Jennifer McNeil, Neil Strebig, Natalia Buzik, Alex Klein, and Jake Heigl. So if you are one of those five people, you'll be getting a DM from us. Um, we had to give us three of your favorite movies. We're going to try to match up some stickers for you and ship them to you. Uh, yeah, like I said, this isn't going to be our first give or our last giveaway. It is going to be our first. It was. It was. It happened. It's over with. It was our first. So, congrats on those five folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following along. Um, we hope you like the stickers that you're going to be getting in the next couple weeks here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks for participating. We really appreciate it. And uh, I guess that'll about do us. If you want to get a hold of us, not on social media, if you are social media averse, uh, we have rollapodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email on, you know, some movie suggestions, some thoughts on previous episodes. If you have thoughts that we got something wrong or, you know, your own thoughts on something, 
shoot us shoot us an email and we will uh, have a look and possibly read it on air. And next week's movie is going to be the 2014 film Birdman. So uh, make sure you stay with us then. All right. I guess that'll do it for this week, and we will see you next week with Birdman. Wash your hands. <laughs> Bye, everybody.